Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey, Hello. Brian. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. You know, it's uh, about 100 degrees out in Portland today, so Oregon. Uh, so, you know, it's not a bad day out here. Uh, thank you for uh, joining me today on TPQ20. Uh, I, I absolutely love your work, so I'm honored to have you on here. Um, oh, thank and, you so much. Yeah, and uh, we always like to start off by saying, you know, we know who you are, but our audience may be new to your work. Um, if you were to kind of give, you know, uh, the bio that doesn't show up on your website, uh, who would you say you are? Oof. who am I? Do we have 20 <laughs> years? Is that right? <laughs> um, no, I mean, okay. So I'm, I'm Brian Tierney. I'm a poet. Uh, my first book just came out, Rise and Float. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I was born in New Jersey. My family's all from New Jersey. <laughs> and uh, I guess maybe music kind of is what, is what got me here. You know, so I think, Ooh. you know, I started a band when I was like, you know, a real a true garage band would play for no one kind of thing and when i was like 15 and i was writing lyrics and that kind of thing and i thought i'd be neil young um <laughs> and you know i think that that drew that drew me to words in a way that it took many years later for kind of to catch up to me and so you know i think to tell people something about myself i think music is something that kind of drives me you know i still play guitar every day i still you know i sing all these different kinds of vocalities that I think really interest me um, and that have made me a creator. Now, did you, so I've been playing about the same story, you know, 15 years old, started a garage band. Uh, but I started, I, uh, terrible voice back then, probably still now, but uh, I started as the singer because I wanted, I started playing guitar because I wanted to write lyrics and sing. Was that kind of your journey as well then? Or did you want to be like, you know, the rocker and then the lyrics came second to you? You know, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure that I have ever recovered the true answer to it. It feels almost like I had, from a young age, I had a desire to make things, you know, and my, my family, I was lucky enough to have a family that kind of encouraged that. It was like, a we lived by a community college in Philly and, you know, they got me like classes to do like painting and I used to do nice. sketching and, and then photography, uh, recovered my dad's old like vintage Pentax from the 70s, did that for a while. And I, you know, eventually just got to like um, this place where I wanted to like say something. It was like a, you know, I think, I think it's a, it's not something you consciously are aware of, but right. I think it is the lyric. I think it was the, the wanting to say something um, or express something. And that music was a, a kind of, at that time a necessary companion you know for that right. kind of desire to express yeah and yeah i think in a way that's like poetry is like that you know it's an instrument in a way it's that same kind of like it's something you can filter yourself through to make a kind of music with and yeah. so i guess it probably is lyrics first is what drew who were the who were the lyricists who are the singers and lyricists that you kind of look to for inspiration in the early days oh well neil young was one mainly because, you know, Young and Dylan, you know, okay. mainly because uh, they had a kind of social consciousness and I was, I was into that in my teens, you know, kind of 
of political kind of energy. Uh, Dylan definitely just for, you know, the wordplay and, and the sonic texture and all that, the pyrotechnics of that were so exciting. Ooh. I like that um, way of describing it, the pyrotechnics of that. I, right? like that. I mean, especially that mid-60s, don't worry. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, he gets going and it's just like, it's a trance, you know, he's yeah. the best. Um, 13 and 13 verses later, you've got like epic, <laughs> yeah, you've got an epic poem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Desolation Row or something, you know, and, yeah. and Springsteen was another one. Um, having grown up in Philly and Jersey. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like a religion. I mean, truly, it, it, I always joke, my wife's from central Pennsylvania, and I say, like, you know, on the radio, we, we would hear like deep cut Bruce songs like all the time. You know, it was like a, he was a, he was a whole culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Bruce, I think, and, and his was also a kind of cinematic storytelling. He was more of a narrative kind of well, guy then in a who, way. So coming from that then, what was the crossover? Where did you go from, from listening to the music and the lyrical content inside that to uh, finding the page uh, and, and beginning to read the poetry there versus listening to the songs you'd been hearing? Uh, yeah, I think it was just automatic, you know, once I wanted to kind of like, oh, I want to write songs, you just kind of like knew you had to write lyrics. I mean, that's how I was. So I knew that that had to be a part of it. And I wasn't good enough to just be like some in instrumental virtuoso, you know, I had, right. you had to have both kind of. So I think it was just incident, you know, just kind of like the circumstances. I'm going to write a song, I have to write lyrics. And all of a yeah. sudden, there's that weird interplay, which I guess is like poetry with words and form where you're you're playing off of the thing in your hands you're playing and you start right. getting like a sound and a, and a rhythm and kind of like a speech or something that comes up. And, uh, but it took a long time before that turned into like poems, you know? Um, and I went through prose, you know, I was, you know, I studied journalism as an undergrad and did some of that stuff for a while. And so I kind of wound my, my way back to poems after writing a lot of kind of prose really for right. a long time. and then doing poems kind of on the side always having my finger on the pulse but never fully committing um until who was the what was the moment what was that catalyst where you fully committed like what was what did it finally take for you to realize that that was your kind of your bag well i think it was i came upon honestly a merwin poem okay I think from the shadow of Sirius around that time, which would be, I don't know, 2007 or something. I feel like it was in the New Yorker. And, you know, there's this one line. He says, my mother, my mother says I'm going now. Mm. Um, and my dad had just, had just passed um, around that time. And that whole poem, Rainlight, is so beautiful. Um, right. And I, something about that moment where it's like, oh, this is this is a feeling that obviously many people have had or experienced, um, but it it pulled me out of grief while also like connecting me very deeply to my own grief, mm. um, so that I could see a connection to this kind of collective grieving, you know, this, this whole human body of people experience loss in all kinds of ways and that sounds very high you know high minded no not really you know, no, talking it sounds, about, you know it doesn't though it just sounds it sounds real like i think yeah. that's you know you're supposed to be hit on a certain level by a certain poem i mean it's what we do this for is to 
allow yeah. our, you know, our emotions and our feelings and our narratives to have an effect on somebody else in whatever way it takes them. Yes. I mean, I think like That's for me, yeah, for me, like the, you know, my catalyst poem to get into poetry, my, my love of poetry came from a Langston Hughes poem uh, called, uh, um, called Su- uh, Suicide's Note. And it's the calm, cool mm. face, the calm, cool face of the river asked me for a kiss. And it was one of those things where, you know, I was like 14. So I, you know, I didn't know anybody who had, who had died yet, but there was something about that emotion that immediately gave me a sense of, I need this. Like, and I didn't know if I needed yeah. to write it, but I needed, I needed it in my life somehow. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's it. It's that it's that um, it's that expression of something that you didn't know you needed to hear, and you know, you didn't know you needed to hear it that way. You know? Yeah, and it hurt. You know, uh, I write a lot of elegy, as maybe you could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Ed, I think this applies though to all kind of poetry. Really, is Ed Hirsch says something about elegy like it ritualizes language into grief to make it bearable, but it originates in the unspeakable and mm. touches the unfathomable and i feel Ooh, like, I like to that. me that's poetry right i mean yeah. it's like there's some thing that feels inexpressible that can have a shape and sound that does express not just like the meaning but the feeling which i feel yeah. like is like so magical yeah well and i think that's one of the things i always one of the things that i found in kind of the poetry question on was the idea that every book is published for a reason so every chapbook mm-hmm. comes across a publisher who in some way or another falls in love with it. So maybe I'm not going to love it, but I'm going to f- try to find what was that emotion or what was that narrative or feeling that that, that publisher at that time you know, had to have in order to put this out. Because it doesn't have to yeah. feel or sound good to me always. Um, it's yeah. not necessarily my storyline. Uh, but Yeah, and I, I love that. I love that. Um generosity you know that approach because i feel like you know for for how expansive and wildly amazing contemporary poetry is right now there's also just a lot of like you know people want to draw lines and they want mm-hmm. to have camps and they want to you know and i feel like my whole approach is always and i try to tell students of me kind of teach it's like as terence hayes says you know kind of read everything and i think yeah. that a kind of curiosity and openness even to things like you're kind of like nah not for me. Right. I don't know. That does something. That's how I am with music. You know, I listen mm-hmm. to all kinds of different types of music, and some albums you're like immediately you're like, nah. Other ones you stumble upon. That's why hey, I love Spotify. I've gotten eleven. I've gotten eleven year old who uh, I feel like my parents at this point because some of the music they're listening to, it's like I don't understand this, and I want to say I don't like it, but that's not that I don't like it. It's that I don't get it. It's not. Yeah, there's that it, too, right? Yeah. It, it, it doesn't resonate with me in any way, and I mm-hmm. I can see I can see how it affects other people. I mean, my kid loves it; they're singing along with it, and I'm just like, what What is this? And I think that's kind of you know, it's it's the same thing that's out there. It's there is a poem for every person. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like my grandparents heard the Beatles and were like, "What is this shit?" Right. You know, like they wanted nothing to do with it. It was like yeah. Jimmy Sinatra. Yeah. And, you know, and they're the Beatles, you know, and then there's people now, you know, even I'm, I'm a millennial, millennials who were kind of like, nah, because they were such a boomer thing. And it's just, right. you know, but they're, yeah. it's there for a reason. And it's an energy. It occupies an energy in the world somehow. You know, I, it's OK. We're currently living through it seems like the pop punk revival. So, you know, I will uh, I'll 
I'll hang out with it for as long as we can. So, the, jury, the jury's out. Let's, I, want, I want the great thing to come out of that. <laughs> so um, process. We'll turn it a little bit back toward the writing world. Um, mm-hmm. What is, you know, your process for writing? Are you someone who has a lot of superstitions? Do you need incense burning behind you, a cup of tea in your hand? Uh, you know, what, what is, are you a, a nine to fiver or a, like a notes app on your phone? You know, it's, I think it's evolved. I think it's probably evolved, but you know, I'm not a nine to fiver, but I do, if I have an open day, I will kind of remain open uh, to writing. Right. You know, it's like, the Paris Review did an interview with Robert Hass and he was, said something like, you know, you can't, unlike prose, you can't will a poem to happen, really. Um, but you can show up and create the kind of context in which it can present itself to you, you yeah. know? And I, I love that idea. So that's kind of my approach is always, I very rarely start with like an idea mm-hmm. or a clear subject. You know, I think my my approach is more, and I shudder to say jazz, but I'll say it. And it's like, because I, I don't think it's as amazing as jazz. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's a way in which it's improvisational. You know, I'll start with, I even do this thing where I'll open a book and I'll kind of like pinpoint a, a word and then I'll flip randomly another page and pair it with that word and then write it down and make a whole list of that. Sometimes trying to make like a sentence that way. That's cool. Um, I, that's, yeah, I, and... and it's, it's a an aleatory thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's chance operation kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it your your mind is your your subconscious, I feel like, is way yeah. smarter than your your waking yeah. mind, so to speak. And uh and that in that kind of generate language, just generating language uh is how I usually begin. And in terms of routine, it's like, you know, I gotta have my coffee. <laughs> um, of course. I have this uh, uh my wife and I live on this, what they call an in-law unit in California. It's like okay. a little separate house that's behind on the property and behind uh, my landlord's house. Okay. But we're kind of, we're kind of all friends. And so they have this little roof thing and I go, they let me go up there because they're usually out working during the day. Right. And I can I'll, I'll often work from home. Um, so I go on this roof, you know, and I kind of can see the, the Berkeley and Oakland Hills and the one side kind of Mount Tam's shadow, which is a, uh, Mount Temple Pius, which is above in Marin County, above okay. Francisco, and uh, and that you know some mornings it's real it's real foggy, some mornings it's super bright, and you know I kind of have to be reconnected to my environment before I can start. I think yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think you know having like you mentioned, you know the atmospheric changes kind of there. That is it yeah. sunny? Is it you know is it cloudy? Is it foggy? It, it it's a mood setter. So it's a good one. Yeah, to start. absolutely. Well, I think, and, and uh, you know, uh, it's interesting. You sound, uh, Taylor Molly um, has uh, came up with this thing uh, called the metaphor dice. And it's a set mm-hmm. of like six die and you roll it and it kind of gives you the narrative storyline uh, for the day. And it's, it's really cool. I use it with my students sometimes and I, I teach middle school. Um, and it's a fun way to put together a, a story. And it's kind of like going back and forth between a book. Love that. Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're really fun. I think that I think you know that's a I'll plug Taylor always, but they I think there's an app with it as well. I think there's a metaphor dice app out there. Uh, now I gotta check that use. out. It's it's a lot of fun. It really it really is. A, it's a cool way to set a story, especially like in those um, moments of brain fog or things like that. It's a good way to to at least kick into some type of of narrative writing. 
Yeah, um, and you know, I love. Yeah, that that's a great approach, and I think, you know, what what if I would say anything to like emerging writers, and when I teach students who are uh, you know when we're younger, I teach older students too, kind right? Of, you know, students, but um, I try to say, you know, everybody. I think everybody thinks poems come from like this grand thought that somebody has, and then they like they capture the thought, they write it down, and it's like. And maybe sometimes there is that line or that grand moment where right. clarity happens. But like a lot of the times, <laughs> I think we back into stuff, right? And yeah. we, we act, we stumble upon, it. we make a mistake or there's a typo on your, when you're typing, yes. and you're like, it corrects yeah. the wrong word. You're like, oh, that's an opportunity. It's all these little, these misfires and kind of yeah. accidents that if you're paying attention are where the, you can get out of your own way, you know? And, yeah. I, and get in the I way like of language. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I had a professor um, throughout my undergrad uh, who would tell us never erase a line, cross out a line, mm. never erase a line, never tear out a page because that Love line that. may come. Yeah, because the line, you know, his big thing was write a poem every day for a year, even if it's the worst thing ever. You write a poem, 365 poems, because if all you have for the next year is a line to start from, you've done your job somewhere. Yeah. And so I've always kind of kept that philosophy. Uh, like, and I love Google Docs for writing now because it just keeps all your versions. Like you can never get rid of anything. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so I totally. Like that. So, so you're a version, you, you keep a lot of versions. Oh yeah. 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 And I, I, I will not say that I, I, you know, I, I love writing reviews and that's always been my bad. Cause I, I like, I'm not the world's best poet. It was never like, you know, I, I, I get more out of, um, really doing deep thinking about somebody else's piece and how it affects me um, totally. and how it affects the world at large. And I love that side of things. Um, I always consider my reviews to be odes. Um, so like mm -hmm. I tell my, I tell yeah. the poetry question team, like I write odes, I don't write reviews. Um, and love I think, that. yeah, cause I think that we were talking about earlier, there's so much to find and so much to be passionate about in so many pieces, like, What's the point in not having fun with it and making the review itself a you know beautiful piece of creative writing? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, as we kind of head toward the finish line, what are some things that you're really excited about that are coming out around you right now that you're seeing? And then uh, tell us about uh, a little bit about Rise and Float, where we can find you. You know, um, I, I'm always, I just recently stumbled upon Joyelle McSweeney, who I didn't really mm. know. Uh, her work very much and the book was Toxicon and Arachne I think is the name of it okay it's such a severe it's a cool title it's a severe like strange title and, and a really strange world that the book creates and it's so energetic so uh almost ecstatic in language but in this really dark-minded way <laughs> that I'm really drawn to and I used to be way more um like that 60s Dylan kind of vibe where you're, you're right. trying to fit too many words into one space as possible kind of feeling. Um, and I've since realized that, that for me, that was kind of permissive. So I, I've, I've contracted, compressed in some ways, but she's doing that, uh, that cool. kind of language as its own material uh, that I find to be really interesting. At least in I don't. Um, you know, and I'm always, I'm always checking out some Oz. Sharif. So I think customs just you have to customs off the chart. Customs yeah. is the cl instant classic. That's that. Yeah, truly, I mean, it's masterpiece. Yes. 
Yeah, cool. I mean, and yeah, so I mean, that's where I've been at lately. I, I also picked up recently Gilead by Marilyn Robinson, which I've never read. Ooh, okay, I don't uh, know that one. I'll check it out. Yeah, I didn't know it either. Apparently, it won the Pulitzer. No idea. This is this is, <laughs> this tells you how I what I you know my relationship to fiction. Um, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's gorgeous. It's unbelievable. Okay. Um, cool. And then uh, you to discover. Nice. And then uh, what can we? Where can we grab your work? And what's coming up next for you? Well, you can grab it in all the, the normal places. Um, the big one that we shall not name. And we all know, though. And, you know, indie bound, you know, from Milkweed. Uh, places out here, Point Reyes Books, City Light Books. And uh, it is a lot in a lot of local places. And That's really if cool, by the way, to, yeah. to cut in the, the idea that you have a book in City Light Books. Oh, it's, That's it's so nice. bad. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's so it's, cool. It's absolutely, um, <laughs> you know, I, it, it was on the list and I didn't even realize it was on the bucket list. And it happened. It's it amazing. Like, oh. Somebody sent me a picture. It was like on display. I was like, this is wild. Um, so yeah, in any local play, you know, after, you know, library, I'm sure we'll take it to you know, get it to you. So support that. Awesome. But, you know, go indie. Yes, very much so. Right on, man. Well, it was fantastic talking to you today. Uh, and thank you for Great hanging out with me. Right? Yeah, thanks for hanging out on TPQ20, and I'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. Okay, you Bye. too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.